Welcome. Welcome to Know Your Roles, the podcast where every week we find unexpected connections across all your favorite mixed media, from film and television to music, literature, sports, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleiman, and this is my co-host, Mr. George Payton Gordon III. Tell us what we got going on on today's show. What's up, Dave? Uh, Today on the show, we've got Tarek Davis from the uh, Amber Ruffin Show, uh, actor, podcaster, uh, improv and theater where we play a pretty sweet game of uh, R&B singers, particularly like the 90s R&B singers, the comic book characters. But before we get into all that, Dave, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, thank you uh, for asking, George. Um, when you're bartending, like whenever anyone's like, whenever a customer is like, how are you? I'm always like, wow, I can't believe you just asked me how I am. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm good. I took the uh, online uh, Jeopardy test earlier today. So uh, everybody uh, pray for me. <laughs> I took it once before about a, about a couple of years ago. I, I didn't hear anything back. So I clearly didn't do well enough to like get to the next round. There's 50 questions. And I think you need to get like 35 right to get a call to like the next step, which is like another test basically. And I think that there's a shot that I did that. There's a chance. Like I took a practice test, which is only 30 questions and I got 23 out of 30, right? It's so weird. We've been watching a lot of Jeopardy. It's just what the categories are. If there is a show where the categories are like Tom Hanks, movie quotes, uh, South America, and like brunch dishes, which were like categories of shows we just recently watched, I would get every single question right Mm -hmm. so uh so yeah that's uh i'm thinking about jeopardy i'm thinking about uh, my lifelong dream of of going on jeopardy i i'm sure that i probably won't but hey you never know dream big it's like that episode of cheers when cliff was on it (laughs) and uh he's like killing it until he gets like the final jeopardy and the his answer was who are three people who have never been in my kitchen (laughs) and he risks everything it's one of the one of the funnier episodes of cheers uh i had a buddy of mine who was on jeopardy uh he lost all enough in the last question Stinks. I've had a couple of friends over the years, like couple a couple of friends from college who, who went on, nobody who won, somebody who lost on on the last question. I actually I think I do okay at Final Jeopardy. The thing that I would struggle with the most is like not spazzing out with the buzzer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, <laughs> because mm-hmm. like, first of all, I would just want to answer everything immediately. <laughs> and so I have to be like, oh, don't answer those ones. <laughs> those are a trap. Don't get them wrong. Just buzzing on what you know. But yeah, so if you do see me go on, you might see me just like have a fucking, I'll just like snap behind and like throw the buzzer at the whoever the fucking host is. Or <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that, that would be fun for everyone. Anyway, George, how uh, how are you doing, man? What have you been up to? I, I'm good. I uh, I got a I got a new tattoo. I have uh, joined the community of people with more than one tattoo on their arms. Um, I got the uh, the the I got the 9:30 logo on my wrist. So I want to shout out um, uh, Leatherneck Tattoos and uh, the uh, tattoo artist who's a uh, Adriana Nightmare. Uh, follow them on Instagram, Adriana Nightmare Tattoos. They did an amazing job on it and. Uh, I guess for two reasons, I've been, I'm 930 is pretty much, uh, for those who know, 930 is a club in DC that I saw everybody from Talib Kweli to Jewel to <laughs> two skinny J's. I mean, it was like part of my education was going to the 930 club and I wanted to get their digital clock logo tattooed on my wrist. And the other reason was my sister just got a tattoo and I can't have her leading the family in tattoos that don't, that are silly. <laughs> so I was like, you got a tattoo? It was like, I was like, I'll see your tattoo and I'm going to get another one. So I got that last week. Um, I, I I told them, I'm like, yeah, I live in a neighborhood. I want to support local businesses. 
<laughs> Good for you. All right. That's the reason why you're here. It's like, yeah, no, I just, I live up the block. I just want to support local businesses. I, so anyway, they, they kept it together. And like, all right, man. It's like, that's a weird reason to get a tattoo. But people get tattoos for even dumber reasons. My reason was I want to support local business. And I also wanted to shout out a little, little part of my, my youth, which is the 930 Club. So uh, Leatherneck Tattoos, Adriana Nightmare Tattoos. Uh, follow them on Instagram. They They were Absolutely great. People get tattoos for way dumber reasons, for sure. And also, uh, if like I don't have any tattoos, but if I was to get a tattoo, uh, a tattoo artist named Adriana Nightmare. Adriana Nightmare. Yeah, I would want a tattoo. <laughs> that's that's fucking awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, as as fun as that was, what do you say we uh, we open this bar up? Absolutely. What do we got on tap today, George? Today, we're going to be talking about the LeBron injury, the Tina Turner documentary, and the return of uh, Dave. I guess our favorite reality TV show probably yeah. is coming back April 1st, and that is Top Chef, and it's in Portland, Oregon. So let's let's say that for the last thing that we have, and we'll start with the LeBron injury, and you've got a lot of thoughts, so I'll let you go ahead and leave that off. Yeah, well, so he's got a high ankle sprain. He's out uh, indefinitely. It's very interesting. I don't know if you might talk about this, but uh, it. Cha- I'm not going to talk about this too much, but it like really changes the landscape of like the trade deadline is happening this week. And now teams are, are thinking a little bit differently and the Lakers are maybe thinking differently. I think that honestly, like it might, it's it, the worst thing about it is that he's on my fantasy team <laughs> and, and it basically fucks me. Uh, although I might be like, I might still sneak into the playoffs and then he'll come back and, you know, I could win the whole league. But anyway, I think that it might actually be good for him because the dude could use rest. <laughs> like there are, there are valid critiques of LeBron's NBA career and his game, but taking issue with like his durability is not one of them because this is like one of the most durable, strongest, most fit athletes in the history of sport. I just, I have some numbers here for you, George, as uh, I know you are a number head. Yep. Yep. The resident statistician. (laughs) There are 82 games in a NBA regular season normally. And Mm -hmm. LeBron James, this is his 18th season. I'm just going to read you the list of how many games he played over over those seasons out of 82 possible games. 79, 80, 79, 78, 75, 81, 76, 79, 62, 76, 77, 69, 76, 74, 82, 55, 67, and 41, which is this season. The only season where he missed significant time was a couple of years ago, his first uh, with the Lakers. But this guy's incredible. That is... So over the regular season, that is 49,939 minutes of basketball. And that's not even counting his playoffs, which is another 260 games. So he's playing at least 10 or 12 playoff games a season. It's just incredible that that this guy doesn't get injured more, you know, for for as as much of a beating as he takes, like as physical of a game that he plays. So, yeah, I mean... It's incredible. He's incredible. And uh, I still think that he'll probably come back and we won't, this, this will just be a statistic. You know, he'll, it would be like the second most game or the most games he missed in a season, his career, but like there, I don't think it's going to affect him that much. I mean, this is also a guy that part of the reason he doesn't miss games is because he works so hard Mm -hmm. to stay fit. And like, you know, he's going to come back. Yeah. He's 
crazy. I'd like to think that the season they missed all those games from the groin injury from a couple years ago, he realized that those guys were all a bunch of bums. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to use this time to take an L and punt on third down for this season because you guys stink. So uh, I think he could have very easily come back for that one and played had they been halfway decent. <laughs> the one thing I want to say is like it does uh, it does open the door for because it was I think it was Joel Embiid's MVP season to win it. He's probably he's not going to win it because he's also injured himself. It does open the door for Jokic, Lillard, or possibly James Harden to win the MVP, and that's going to be fun looking at the end of the season as as the season winds down. And the other thing that kind of kind of stinks if you're like the one, two, or three seed in the West and you're thinking about is like how great your season was. Utah or Phoenix or possibly uh, Denver or the Clippers. In essence, you're probably going to play a six, seven, or eight seed Lakers in the first round fully healthy. And that kind of sucks. <laughs> totally sucks. On the flip side, though, what I'll ask you, like, it makes the Lakers road significantly harder. It does, yeah. Which, you know, is going to impact their their chances to repeat because, you know, say what you will, like they won fair and square. There's no there's no doubting that last year, but they didn't have the hardest road ever. Mm-hmm. They didn't play as tough a teams as they could have played matchup wise for them. You know, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It definitely does like the seeding is is interesting because you're right. You're going to have some really fucking intense first and second round matchups. I mean, the West is just the West is so good. I hope to your point, I hope uh, Lillard can, uh, you know, we know we all know how he finishes the season. Um, So, yeah, hopefully he's going to bump up and talk. All right. So next thing on tap is the upcoming HBO Max documentary, Tina, on, of course, legendary Tina Turner, who I know is a important figure to you, George. So I'm going to let you share some thoughts there, please, for us. So I've been eyeing this documentary for a few months now. As far as like singers, Tina Turner's in the running as like greatest singer of all time. Like rock singers, like Tina Turner probably is the greatest rock singer of all time. And I've seen the trailer, which I think about seven or eight times. And there's two people who are in it that I'm super excited that they're both in it. One is Kurt Loder. Shout out to Kurt Loder. Most people know him as the the MTV correspondent who broke the news that Kurt Cobain died in 1994. I believe it's 1994. What people don't know is he wrote the book, I, Tina, which is a very popular book in the Gordon House in 1985, which is, uh, he co-authored that with Tina Turner. And he's in the documentary. So I'm super stoked to see him on there because who watches MTV and you don't see a lot of Kurt Loder stuff. Yeah. IT, oddly enough, is the, the basis of the movie, uh, What's Love Got to Do With It? And that brings me to the other person I'm excited about being in a documentary, and that's uh, Angela Bassett. And even though that movie is, uh, is uh, there's some parts of it that are wildly inaccurate. I mean, biopics historically aren't my favorite genre of film. Me neither. Rock biopics are kind of kind of a rough hang because it's like they miss out on so many things. And you have to pack it all in, and you also need to make it compelling and interesting. It becomes a formula. Yeah. But this one is this one I, I've, I've always enjoyed due to the fact that like watching Angela Bassett dance and do like all the dance numbers from the, the I continue Turner review stuff is great. I mean, the, the amount of work that she put into just being like a Tina Turner in a two hour movie is impressive. And uh, it airs this Saturday and I cannot wait to fucking watch it. Plus, I mean, you get a healthy dose of Tina Turner. It is like a Tina Turner telling her story, the divorce and leaving uh, Ike Turner. And the only thing wanting out of divorce was just her name, not any money. And then like the rebirth of the 80s stuff was like that all that stuff that she did, private dancer and blah, 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 blah. Then she became like an icon, even though to me, like she's the best. So I'm looking forward to the Tina Turner documentary. I know you watched the uh, the uh, the trailer today. Uh, what did you think? I mean... It looked like the best movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was like bawling by the end of it. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, how can I handle a two hour movie? But it looks incredible. I mean, you know, you said, yeah, you said it. it Tina was, uh, her story is just crazy too, you know, and, and super important and awesome to see her telling it. And uh, yeah, super excited about it. Super, super excited. George, would you say that she's simply the best, better than all the rest, <laughs> better than anyone? What do you think? Um, <laughs> very nice. Uh, producer Mary Best, everybody. Uh, she's in the conversation. Oh, yeah, definitely. for sure. For sure. Excellent. I agree. All right. Another thing that we are very excited about to uh, finish up Bar Talk with the last thing on tap would be the premiere of the new season of Top Chef. One of our, as George mentioned, I think both of our favorite reality competition shows. It's coming back April 1st. They're shooting it in Portland. This is season 18, I believe. That is correct. Hillary and I just like binged like the entire, we've rewatched the entire run of it over the last like couple of months just because like we ran out of like background stuff to put on uh that's that's who we are we like to like put tv and shit on in the background while we do you know our daily whatever we do <laughs> but yeah it it look i watched the trailer for it and it it looks really cool it looks really exciting a good season there are like 15 chefs and it's like a lot more people of color, a lot more chefs of color this season, which is great and you, not something you can say, about, having just watched all of them, not something you can say about a lot of the seasons of Top Chef. And it also means that it's very unlikely that we're going to have uh, Hillary and I's least favorite archetype from cooking shows, which is the white dude that cooks Asian food. We've literally come across a person that does this like in every season of Top Chef of like a white dude who's like, I'm an Asian chef. <laughs> and it's like, no, you're not an Asian chef. You're just a white dude who didn't want to cook uh, German food or whatever the fuck is in your actual heritage. Uh, there was another another guy who was like, uh, uh, I traveled around Thailand for three months. So that makes me really well versed in Vietnamese flavors. Like what? What on earth? So hopefully we're not going to have any of that in Top Chef. So it's going to be a great season. Um, I'm uh, looking forward to it. A lot of uh, good judges, like a lot of ex, it's all ex contestants are the judges and they shot it like in a bubble. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm excited for it. George, what are you, uh, what, what are you looking for uh, in the new season? There's just a, just a couple of things I'm going to get to quickly. Uh, I've been to Portland uh, a couple of times, not to sound like one of the, the archetypes that you don't like. I've just happened to been to Portland a couple of times. Um, uh, and uh, Portland. No, you're not. You don't fit that. No, no, no. I'm just you're like, I just not. like, you know, dude's like, I have, I've got friends from there. Um, no, but I, I, I've been to Portland a couple of times and it, it is an A plus food town. So I'm excited that the new season is in Portland. It's also a cool looking city. And there, there, there are a few things that I know they're going to include that I'm really excited about seeing and that they're going to talk a great deal about James Beard, who happens to be an Oregonian, which is awesome. And they're also going to talk about like um, this past year, as far as restaurants and bars have been going through, which is also great that they're going to be covering that. And they're also going to be talking about what's going on with the weather in the Pacific Northwest with the, and that's another thing that they're, they're going to include from the, the fires that they've had there. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm great. Glad to get in the band back together and doing our whole thing. And uh, Top Chef is a plus. And um, there's there's a couple of chefs and like I'm I wondering what they've been doing. Like Dale Talday, what have you been doing? It's like, and he's going to be one of the one of the, the guests. Uh, the I can tell you off air, it's not good. <laughs> hey, cash in on that Top Chef money, Dale Talday. He did. He did. Trust me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, should be an exciting new season. 
And uh, George, any other thoughts before we drip the last drop on the on the tap here? Nah, man, that's good. All right, I think uh, we're kicked. And uh, with that, we're gonna go sit down with Tarek Davis. So everyone, enjoy. Hello. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, what's up, man? Hello. Yeah, what's up? I'm Dave. This is George and producer Mary Bess. I don't know where the boxes are, but. David of George, Mary Beth. Hi, it's lovely to meet you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Thanks for doing our show. Just to make sure, I just want to clarify: we do pronounce your name Tarek. Uh, Tarek, but yeah, you're yeah. I'm glad I asked. So Tarek. It's all good. Thank you for clarifying. As someone with an unusual name, people don't often hear Bess. So I've spent my whole life saying my name a second time. So. (laughs) No, Mary Bess. Thank you for asking, David. I get it. Appreciate it. How y'all doing? We're happy to have you here. Yeah, we're great. You have the uh, the honor of being the first guest that we didn't actually know before this. So, oh. so, so thank you. All right. <laughs> Good. We're really happy and excited to have you on, and we'll just get right into it. Totally. The first thing we'd love to talk with you about is something that you have been doing during quarantine, which is the Amber Ruffin show, which is where people may know you from as uh, the iconic character of the sidekick, which I feel like is like a career bucket list thing maybe, but will you uh, talk about uh, how, how that came about? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it came about in a typical Amber Ruffin way. Uh, I guess it was a year and then like, so long story. um, I'm a part, a member of freestyle love Supreme. Uh, and, uh, I made my Broadway debut with them in 2019 of December and they let me bring my buddy Amber Ruffin with me, uh, because I mentioned like when Amber and I worked at Boom Chicago in Amsterdam, we would close shows freestyle rapping. And so I was like, yeah, Amber can freestyle rap to which Amber was like, what? (laughs) It's been a while, but you'll, you'll remember. And, uh, so we did that and we had a blast and, we got a standing O and it was like a real special moment for us because we've been booed so many times by audiences. <laughs> and we were just <laughs> like, can you believe this? Like uh, this moment. And so we did that. And after hanging out, I think the announcement. So yeah, it's December, 2019 NBC had announced about uh, that they were debuting Peacock and that Amber was going to have a show on Peacock. They had just made that announcement. And so we're at the diner hanging out, still kind of feeling that post-performance high. And Amber goes, yeah, so I got this show. It's crazy. I have no idea what it's going to entail. It'll probably involve me, Jenny Hagel, and you. And she kind of threw the statement away like that. And I was just like, yeah, all right, whatever. (laughs) We had a year. We still had a year until that was happening. And I'm like, you know, it was so too big for me. I was just like, it's big for Amber. And then I was like, you know, we just did the Broadway thing. I'm good with that. And uh, September of 2020, like I think two weeks before we shoot our first show, I get a call from Amber like, hey, uh, she sends me a text. She's like, so are you down to um, come to 30 Rock and like do stuff? And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, I'd done sketches for Late Night with Seth Myers. That's what this was. And I was like, sure. And she goes, let's talk over Zoom. 
And <laughs> like later that day, talk over Zoom. And then she was like, oh, no, you're going to be there every episode. You're the you're the sidekick. And I was like, oh, oh. And then it hit me. And we've been and like we've been rolling since. And so every time I show up, it's like, what crazy thing are we doing? <laughs> what crazy thing are you going to have me doing, Amber? What weird thing am I wearing? Um, that's my Bilbo this week. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, you guys definitely uh, have a penchant for uh, big song and dance numbers with uh, a lot of costumes and wigs and stuff. Seems fun. We do. I, I mean, uh, I guess to explain that, um, I don't know how familiar you are or your listeners are with um, Boom Chicago. It was uh, it's an American comedy theater in Amsterdam. It's been there since the late nineties. It's where Seth Meyers worked, Jordan Peele, Ike Barinholtz, the creator of, um, I'm sorry, it's the new show. Uh, my buddy, Brendan Hunt, about soccer. Uh, Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso, thank you. Uh, <laughs> the creator of Ted Lasso, Brad, Brendan Hunt, uh, Jason Sudeikis, like they're all Boom Chicago alumni. And so are Amber and I. And one of the great things about this theater, you're doing shows six to seven nights a week. You're doing improv, sketch, singing, a lot of big improvised musical numbers, a lot of big written musical numbers. But they had like uh, this green room with every kind of costume imaginable. So it was just like a play pit for Amber and I. So when we would get to do like these big improvised musical numbers, we were like, all right, well, let's try to improvise some costumes too and like just make a, you know, a mess of musical guacamole on stage. To which we did. And uh, Amber, it's like in her DNA and it carried over. And I am more than happy to be the brightly colored Robin <laughs> to her dark justice Batman <laughs> at NBC. I've, uh, I've been, uh, Dave and I, whenever we have guests, we do a lot of research and we listen to them on different podcasts. We watch all the stuff they've done. And um, you were on a podcast and I forget the name of it, but you were talking about being from New Jersey, Z Cavaricci and Tommy Hilfiger and about passed out. Because it's like, this is all kind of stuff that I grew up with. So in the Nessus, we're around the same age. Can you tell us a little about growing up and then making your way to New York from there? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm from Jersey, uh, out of the eighties and nineties, like, <laughs> so yeah, Cavaricis, Tommy Hilfiger. Remember Nautica? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Nautica, that was like, if you wore it, like it was, it's such, uh, I love that time. But then I, I look back on, I'm like, Oh, we were so brainwashed. Like wearing these brands that did not care a lick about us. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, he's got those Cavaricci. <laughs> what shoes you got on? I got on BK Knights, man. What you know about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm from Jersey, and uh, I I went to Rutgers because it's kind of you know if you go to Jersey, it's mandatory by law that you go to Rutgers University. And through that, I uh, I met some cool people who I started doing comedy with in college. Um, I'm sure you know Chris Gethard. Sure. Uh, that was my boy. It's my brother. Like, we we became roommates. We were doing comedy out there. Uh, another friend of mine, a comedian, Jamie Rivera, uh, out of The Magnet. Katie Dimpled, who wrote Ghostbusters and the, I believe, The Heat. Um, so we were all in the improv troupe and doing short form, bad sketch, whatever we could do. 
and Gethard and Jamie took a class at some place called UCB and they came back and they did a long form improv show. And I remember seeing it and Gethard was like, dude, dude, you got to take the classes. And I was like, yeah, all right. And um, took a class and I was like, oh, I like, I like the speed of this. It's weird. So this is like circa 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. New York was still in a transition. So this is before, it's before 9-11. Um, and, you know, it was on that transition of like leaving like, you know, the CD Times Square and the New York that I loved into <laughs> the New York that it is now. And um, I remember taking that improv class. I'm like, there was just a lot of different people in that course, but it caught and I enjoyed it. And um, I think like I took two more, I took a level one, level two, level three. And by my senior year, Gethard was already on a Harold team, but my senior year I got put on a Harold team and graduated and was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is uh, it's fun. But there wasn't like now there's a, I feel like there's a track for comedians, you know, out of the improv sketch tradition that there really wasn't uh, at that point. And so we were just kind of making it up. <laughs> improv. Yeah. Um, we were kind of just making it up. And um, this was when UCB was uh, in New York and they had a space on 22nd. And then they bounced around a bit and then they were on 26th and. You know, you saw people who, you know, they were just around. Amy Poehler was around. Besser was around. And um, it was a very interesting time. Uh, but, yeah, I cut my teeth there. And in 2003, some weird company from Amsterdam um, were ho- having auditions. And Colton Dunn, who was on my Harold team at the time, and a good buddy of mine signed me up without telling me and was like, I was in Jersey helping my mom get groceries. And he called me on my first cell phone. This is how long ago this was. <laughs> I'm like, who this? And he's like, dumb, you know, it is. You got to show up in Jersey in like an hour. I mean, in New York in like an hour. And I was like, what? He's like, bye. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And um, the rest is history. I came out and, they liked me, and then I was in Amsterdam for a few years. And you were there, was Amber was there with you at that time? You guys were? We got hired at the same time. So Amber got hired in Chicago. I got hired in New York. They had auditions in L.A. Um, and so we all, you know, it's it's like a comic book. Like, it's like you, you show up at Professor X's mansion, and you're like, I don't know who these weirdos are. Um, I know one guy can stretch and another guy is lighting on fire and I don't even know what I can do yet. And, um, and it's in Amsterdam, which is the weirdest. I love that place. Uh, but it was a culture shock and it's just so it's to describe that job. It's very weird. Um, because you got to imagine, like, first off, Amsterdam, everyone has these preconceived notions of what Amsterdam is, which are real. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is that place. And then there's more of it if uh, you don't lose your mind. Um, 
you get to experience. if you stay there for more than like four days. Right, you stay there for more than four <laughs> days, you get to experience like, oh, this is a whole ass culture and country, yeah. and um, but like you know that that part of it, the red light district, the weed, the debauchery, it's all there, and then you are. If you're me, you're kind of just like a shy nerd who hides behind comedy and then like uh, never really been away from home. And then like you get to Amsterdam and your boss is like, all right, first day, we're going to the red light district to see a live sex show. Get it out of your system. What? <laughs> I don't want to do, I want to do callbacks and revolving doors. and boom. <laughs> Yeah. Throwing you right into the deep end. Right. And so that was day one and I'm there with Amber. And so like, we had no choice but to become family. Like we saw each other uh, because the frequency, like, you know, of the job and being kind of this outcast amongst outcasts, you're around each other a lot and you see each other in every mode, like your highs, your lows, your insecurities. And then the Dutch audience is also very honest. So I'm not lying when we'd be like, we get booed. <laughs> it's a not an easy show to learn. And then like people are like, oh, you're terrible. That was a horrible comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> Let me buy you a beer. Like that's the Dutch. Like, oh, okay. And so, you know, we got thick skins, um, a lot of memories, uh, and you acquire a, a certain skill set performing in front of people who English is their second language. Mm -hmm. um, and so references out of the window. Yeah. They don't really care so much about like, oh, he was really like being very careful with his pantomime and didn't walk through. They don't really give, you know. Yeah, they want to laugh. And so a certain presentation sheen comes about. I want to talk a little bit about an influence for a bit. It's very it's it's very difficult to not mention living color but uh you mentioned on a podcast and i want to give you the opportunity to talk about this influence because i don't think this person gets mentioned enough as far as influences go and we're talking about robert townsend and hollywood shuffle so i'm going to give you the opportunity to sort of get into that for a little bit because just for our listeners who don't know him or don't know that movie george man you gotta chill <laughs> <laughs> um yeah robert townsend is a hero of mine um, and has been for a long time, and I agree, has not had the, um, been given, I think, enough flowers yet. Um, I remember first seeing Robert Townsend. Before Living Color, there was an HBO comedy special. Uh, no, there, so there were two. Uh, Eddie Murphy, I believe, had a comedy special. Mm -hmm. When he just hit, and he had this comedy special, and he was like, and he was in it like for like two minutes, but it was, I want you to see the people who I think are funny. And so it had Arsenio Hall, Chris Rock, Robert Townsend. And like, it was this heavy hitter after heavy hitter. And Robert Townsend did this thing where he like brought theater to stand up, which I had personally never really seen before in that way. And my first gear was an actor. Like I was, even when I was in college, I was doing plays. Um, like my buddies, like Gethard was like, his gear is like stand up. I was like, I, you know, I, I want to be in plays. I'm an actor. And so seeing Robert Townsend bring that to the stage, I was like, oh my goodness. And I think he did something like uh, ghetto Shakespeare. Um, I'm, I'm 
I'm butchering the title of what he called it. It was much better, but he was basically doing like Shakespeare, but like in relatable plays for people who he grew up in around. And I was like, this is incredible. And then Robert Townsend had a special called uh, Partners in Crime. And that's where people got uh, really exposed to comedians like John Witherspoon and Tommy Davidson and the cast of what would become known as Living Color and Keenan Ivy Wayans and Damon Wayans and Damon had gotten fired from SNL. And like they were, and you found out like, oh, these are hilarious comedians. And Robert Townsend was kind of the captain of putting them on. And I got a chance to meet him uh, like a hand, like two or three years ago. Um, he was doing a one man show at the Greenwich Village House. And it's kind of just like, you know, he's doing the history of how that all happened and how basically, after, you know, uh, he did Hollywood Shuffle, which is a movie. If you are a, a lover of film, you know that movie. If you do not know that movie, I highly recommend, if you are in the comedy world, if you're in the film world, any artistic world, just a person, watch that film. It is, it is still, to, to me, to this day, um, one of the great narratives about what it is to be a working actor in this system. And so he talked about how he made that movie and there's a scene where he's talking about being this black comedian, going into the audition room and they want him to basically be Eddie Murphy. And you see everyone's doing Eddie Murphy and he's doing like the bad Eddie Murphy laugh with the leather jacket and um, people at the time were like, yo, don't do that because Eddie's, Eddie's the big guy right now. <laughs> he may not like that. And he's like, I got to stick to my artistic vision. This is what's going on. And he did it. And Eddie apparently called him and flew him out to Eddie's spot in L.A. And like they he had a party with a watch party for it. And that scene came up and it got real quiet and like Eddie left and Robert's like, Oh God, I'm in trouble. And he leaves and like Eddie corners him and was like, I want you to direct raw. And like, you see how none of this is in a vacuum. And so he's doing the show and then I get to meet Robert Townsend. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, you don't know me, but you've inspired me like uh the energy you brought to the stage the energy you brought to your comedy and not just that but opening the doors eddie opened the door for you you opened the door for keaton and damon and john witherspoon and like they opened the door for carrie and like having a conversation with someone who's a part of that continuum is like one of my most cherished memories so yeah, big ups to Robert Townsend, big ups to the Meteor Man. Um, that's my favorite. very underrated Meteor Man. Very, very underrated. Yeah, yeah. George and I, I mean, Hollywood Shuffle is is a masterpiece. Uh, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, and he's and he's incredible. He's still out there doing it, he's directing television, but there are just some people out there who I'm like, yeah, you know how um, someone wrote. Um, it's the Bill Murray movie uh, with Wes Anderson. Rushmore? Rushmore. Like, 
I would love to see a Rushmore treatment with any comedians from the, from that era. Like, wow. Putting them in like, yo, we know you got the talent. You just go. Mm-hmm. Especially someone uh, as uh, I feel underappreciated as Robert Townsend. Do you know what's interesting? I was telling uh, producer Mary Beth and Dave was like uh, watching the beginning of it. It gets me like really emotional, like how excited he is on his way to the audition. Uh, like even talking about it now, I'm kind of getting chills. It's like he's practicing the size in the bathroom and uh, the grandmother who's not crazy about the, that he's doing this part or he's, he's going to be, be auditioning for this part. Yeah. She even looks at him just like, good luck out there. And he was like, talk to the boss. I'm with a spoon at the, at the hot dog stand. It gets me every time. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just the weenie dog. Um, <laughs> black acting school i mean yeah uh, like, at least uh, in the black acting school black like, acting, it's it's such it's a it's a tour de force and yeah i get emotional too like i i remember i like went on an audition and my niece was visiting new york and you know she's old enough to like hang out with her uncle and um, the artist uncle and I'm like all right well i gotta go to this audition and then we can hang out for the rest of the day and it was like a dumb commercial audition where it's like, you know, you're almost, it's almost like, you know, uh, when you get a, if you're a criminal and you're like, all right, turn to the side, you know, it was one of those, like you get <laughs> as an actor, show your hands. And she's there and I'm in the room for like 30 seconds and like her, my niece's jaw is on the floor. She's just like, what was that? Is that what you do? <laughs> and like, the rest of the day was me trying to earn that respect back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like not nor it's normal to you. <laughs> like, you know. Right. It's normal to me, yeah. but like when you get a pair of outside eyes and young, honest eyes, and it's like, nah, this is uh this is BS, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I know. <laughs> but rent needs paying. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do it. Um I, I want to talk about something else that you, one of your other projects, which is uh, your podcast, Brothers from Another Planet, because that's also, I'm, I'm assuming that's a reference to another great film, a John Sayles film, Brother from Another Planet. Yes. So, yeah, that you guys had me, like, right from the title. I was oh, like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for mentioning That's, um, yeah, I do that with my brothers, Lamar McLean, Don Hooper, and Jamie Rivera, who got me into improv to begin with. And so... Yeah, we we are fans of the John Sayles, Joe Morton uh, film, Brother from Another Planet. Another film, if y'all have not seen it, uh, I highly recommend. Uh, make it an evening. Rent John Carpenter's Starman with Jeff Bridges after that. And like, mm-hmm. You'll have a great evening. Um, but yeah, so, and we, all of us were kind of, uh, you know, we were black performers at UCB. And it was that thing where I have a lot of affection for UCB, but I, I got to be honest, it was at that time, it was not the easiest time to be there. Um, I was one of maybe at the, when I first got put on the Harold team, I was one of two or three black people on the Harold team. Um, and each of us, I'm sure, had around being like, we're the black guy. And it, this was a time when, like, you know, you're at a theater, it's underground, anything goes. Um, and so um, I noticed that 
as time went on, there were some other performers who were black like me, like Lamar, like Don. Um, Jamie had been there before me. Um, but all of us having a hard time and all of us feeling like islands in our own right. And then being like, hey, yo, we don't need to feel like this. <laughs> we, we all like the same stuff and let's hang out. And um, we all, and, and that's kind of how it started. And a lot of that was the engine of Lamar, Lamar being the engine behind that. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Robert Townsend is a legend, but in my mind, so is my, so are all my brothers. And if I had the, the ability, I would give them the flowers, but I know they'll get them themselves at some point. Uh, they're getting them now. So, uh, yeah, they are, they have both boosted me and we boost each other and we talk about, everything under the sun like sometimes it gets real goofy like we made a, a a stupid game we're still playing called superhero uh soup or nah and it's like is there a uh, i'll give you an example so it's basically like think of a movie that isn't a superhero movie but if you thought about it you'd be like oh I, this is a superhero movie my example is ghost with patrick swayze <laughs> totally a superhero movie. His power, how unfortunately, is that he had to die. <laughs> he had to die. He had to get his die on. But, you know, that's... Once he gets his die on, he's fighting crime. He's jumping in and out of bodies. He's dancing and with his wife through the body of Whoopi Goldberg. That is a Marvel MCU film, if I ever heard of one. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I saw you did that on, I think, your Instagram. And you also, like, set the parameters and everything. And I was, like, trying to think. I was, like... You could fit almost any movie into that. Any movie. It's that's it's like it's the best game because no one loses. Yeah. All you have to do is explain your case. Like uh there are only like a handful of films I had to turn away. Someone was like, ooh, Zaro. And I was like, that's Zaro's kind of in the superhero camp already. Yeah, it's already he's, got, yeah. he's got a marketing team, but he's got a mask and all yeah, that. Yeah, he's got a mask. Yeah. But you know, if you hit me with New Jack City. And someone explained how New Jack City was basically the X-Men. Wesley Snipes, Nino Brown being Magneto and Ice-T being, you know. I was like, whoa. <laughs> All the points. I feel that's a good place to sort of uh, end uh, and begin our game. So here at the Know Your Rules podcast, what we do is we take things and we certainly like, uh, in essence, they may have nothing to do with each other and we try to. Like, so I'd probably put a different spin on it and bring them together. Mm -hmm. So for your episode, we, I, we're doing an 90s R&B and comic book characters. And uh, I'm super excited about doing this because you just mentioned my first character. So and that's as we go in order. So uh, I'm going to go first. Dave is going to go next. And uh, you're going to go last. And we're going to do five R&B artists and five comic book characters. Okay. And uh, I'm going to start with, um, since you said New Jack City, I'm going to start with a guy who started the... The band Guy in 1987. Um, uh, if for our listeners who don't know Guy, Google Guy Arsenio Hall show, one of the best live performances of all time, and then also listen to the Guy podcast uh, uh, hosted by uh, or narrated by Taraji B Henson. It's incredible. Shout out to Taraji B Henson. He's from my hometown of Washington D.C. Uh, after Guy breaks up, he goes on to uh, form or at least produce uh, the first two Rex and Effects record. And uh, shout out to the saxophone player in the Rex and the Fact Rump Shaker video, who got me through some awkward times in the 90s. <laughs> Beautiful woman. Yeah. Uh, and then he, then he was like, you know, I was like, I miss 
performing, I want to go on to do some, I want to be in a group again. He starts Black Street and everybody knows Black Street from No Diggity. But before I let you go, I think it's a better song. Anyway, the person I'm talking about is Teddy Riley. And Teddy Riley, he was known for putting guys together, putting groups together. So my comic book character comp is Nick Fury. He is Ooh. the Nick Fury of comic book characters because he's also a badass in his own right. So that is a that yes, I <laughs> that is beautiful. Teddy Riley is Nick Fury. Yeah, Teddy Riley is a Nick Fury of comic book characters. That's dope. Yeah, he would be. He would totally absolutely be, uh, Nick Fury. Um, so Dave, what's your next one? All right, so my first one is I'm going with somebody in the category of badasses that aren't as well known as they potentially should be. And uh, this person, she kind of skates the line of an artist as far as like R&B. She does some folk. She does a lot of different things, but she did. She only cut three albums in the 90s. And I think that they're up there with anything. And who I'm talking about is Michelle Indegocello. Oh, Michelle Indegocello, who is, like I said, I would put her up with any of the R&B singers from the 90s. She's incredible. She's done a lot of different things. She also kind of she had some troubles and went away and then she kind of reinvented herself and came back. And again, she she also her stuff has a lot of substance like she that's which is part of the reason why she maybe isn't as popular because right. uh, she t- talks about some real shit mm-hmm. but i also wanted to give a shout out to a friend of mine which is why which is why michelle and degocello is the evangeline vange whedon <laughs> um <laughs> comic book characters and that is a relatively new character of the last 10 years and it's played by my friend aaron ruth on the gifted on Fox. So I wanted yeah. to give her a shout out because she's also a badass that uh, you should know about. And also that character is a lawyer who is for the mutant rights coalition. And yeah, there's some substance there and, but also some badassness because she turns into a red dragon. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that is a great choice. Her song with John Cougar Mellencamp. That bass line still slaps. Um, Michelle D, uh, yeah, I, I always mess up her last name. It's such a great last name, but she's dope. She's awesome. Uh, okay, so um, this one may break the rule a little bit. There are no rules. Okay, fantastic. All good. <laughs> great. Um, I have to start with New Edition because New Edition. Uh, I'm just going to say new addition to me is they are the original X-Men, right? But you got to remember, then new addition breaks off into Bell Bib DeVoe. And then Bell Bib DeVoe, they become producers in their own right. And now to Bell Bib DeVoe, you get Boys to Men, you get uh, Criss Cross. Like there was, uh, and there were the little, the little, little kids under Criss Cross. Like they were breaking groups. They were X-Men to X-Factor, to X-Force, to X-Kids, like it was. (laughs) And like, and and there's a little tragedy there. Like no one died, but Bobby Brown is definitely like, for me, Bobby Brown is like, um, remember the 90s X-Men cartoon, uh, Morph? It's like, oh, Morph, just get it together. We want you on the team, but man, you too wild. That's Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown is more like, ah, guys, I'm on another crack bender. And it's like, 
Oh, Morph, those Sentinels really messed you up. <laughs> and the Sentinels really messed up Bobby Brown. Um, but yeah, like, you know, they're the, the X gene is strong in that whole family. And uh, from Boston to Philly, you know, those mutants are doing it. So new addition is the original X-Men. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, another bad creation. ABC also. Ooh, yeah. That, thank that you group. so much. That's what <laughs> George. Damn. Oh man. It's about to get, it's about to get out of control. Okay. So this, so we're, as far as rules go, we, we, we break them, we start them and we break them all the time. So I'm going to break a rule right now and I'm actually just going to choose a song as, as my next, my, my next choice. And the song I'm talking about, uh, oddly enough, is uh, up until a couple of years ago was the, one of the biggest selling songs of all time. It was wrote by uh, Little Nas X as a song from a couple of years ago. It's been an amazing 16 weeks on top of the Billboard Hot 100. I also learned that it was nominated for six Grammys and did not win one. So it just goes to show you that Grammys have been terrible for a long time and not just in the past couple of years. And the song I'm talking about is One Sweet Day, which is with Mariah Carey and Boyz II Men. Mariah Carey, this a wonderful singer. This wonderful person, wonder woman is what I'm getting to. Boys to men. Nice. Boys to men who are also the rest of the Justice League. And then I'm also going to shout out the songwriter of this song along with Boys to Men, which is uh, Walter F. Afaniasiev. He's the cyborg. So, Mariah Carey, Boys to Men, Walter Afaniasiev are cyborg, Batman, Superman, Aquaman, Flash, and Wonder Woman. They are the Justice League. <laughs> nice. Songs. I love it. That was dope. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, all right. I'm gonna go with my next one. I'm actually gonna talk about someone you actually just mentioned, which is of course new edition member Bobby Brown, who mm. you know, he like you said, like a very talented individual, someone who you just wish you know got the help he needed probably when he when he needed it. Um, but you know. So that's why I wanted to uh, I wanted to compare compare him to a character that gets celebrated for the wrong reasons and like shouldn't be like isn't a hero. Uh, um, you know, I'm not calling Bobby Brown not a hero, but uh, but that's why he's the character of Rorschach from The Watchmen. Ooh, the Watchmen, nice. an awesome character, lot there, a lot of really interesting stuff there, but. Not someone that is the hero, not someone that was ever supposed to be the hero, but like certain people are like, the, we, you know, because he's a character who just wants to watch everything burn. He doesn't give a fuck. And, you know, he is a nihilist, basically, and an opportunist. And mm -hmm. also uh, someone who listed him in his top five favorite superheroes of all time, Ted Cruz. So that can give you, so d don't like Rorschach because then you have something in common with Ted Cruz. But uh, but yeah, so he is Bobby Brown, very talented, love his work, but uh, you know there was some trouble there. I like that. Um, okay, uh, I love this game. <laughs> uh, so here's my next group: uh, three very talented women: Cheryl Coco Gamble, Tamara Taz Johnson. Leanne Lele Lyons made up Sisters with Voices, known otherwise known as SWB. I present the Birds of Prey, y'all. 
Oh, <laughs> SWV Birds of Prey. We got Black Canary. Uh, depending on which Birds of Prey lineup you go, like, because the lineup always changes. But for me, I saw like Black Canary, Catwoman, and Huntress. Like these three sisters coming in, uh, and like they came and went. Like they came. You know, they kicked ass and then, like, they disappeared into the night of Gotham City. And, you know, Batman comes in and, like, handles it alone. But, like, we were really excited when SWV was out here kicking it and taking mm-hmm. and taking uh, human nature by Michael Jackson and making <laughs> it a whole bop again. Right? So that's my that's my num- number two 90s pick. All right. All right. So my number three is, uh, is a little tough because we lost this artist way too early. Ooh. Um, uh, in a plane crash, oddly enough, 20 years ago, coming up this summer. Um, uh, and for our listeners who have never heard the song, uh, Are You That Somebody? That song from 1987, the Dr. Doodle soundtrack, fucking slaps. Still 22 years later, <laughs> produce the very best. It's like, that song is so good. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, her music still holds up. And just like uh, Aaliyah, who I'm talking about, even though she's no longer what this is like uh her music arises from the ashes like this comic book character and i'm talking about gene gray in phoenix so Aaliyah is the gene gray in phoenix of comic book characters oh <laughs> she is yeah i love this so much i just i, I want to interrupt for a second george will you marry me <laughs> <Our first proposal. laughs> that gave me chills amazing y'all this is going so well that gave me chills. Uh, the the the, <laughs> the marriage proposal, but also uh, also seeing Aaliyah as Phoenix coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just was like, "Yo, great choice." Oof. It's 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 out of control. My next my last two are out of All control. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to try to follow that, and uh, I am going to talk about a musician that kind of has some traits of some people we've already mentioned, but somebody who was part of a group, but kind of blended in like he was definitely a main part of the the first group he was in in the 90s but he definitely did a lot of producing he did a lot of arranging he's done a lot of just general musicianship for other people and that is Rafael Sadiq of course of Tony Tony Tone me or whatever come on <laughs> um exactly exactly and like those who know know you know like like he's one of my favorite artists of the whole I mean he's still making great music um he also doesn't age. No, mm-hmm. he doesn't. Like he he's exactly straight up got superpowers. Yeah. He doesn't age. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's also like, he has uh, this kind of like that positivity that is not corny. Like his music is is uplifting and and good, but it's not it's not corny. And, and uh, it's still smooth. He's, he's phenomenal. And that's why as a character, I wanted to compare him to someone who is an awesome character, but doesn't maybe get like the so- spotlight and also like, uh, literally uh, fades into the spotlight, and that's Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler from X Men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and also like they they're both uh, they bring some intellectual curiosity to it. You know, Raphael Sadiq, like I said, it's it's definitely there. It, it fits in a pocket, but he's got a lot going on, and it's yeah. you know part of the reason why maybe he was more of kind of an indie artist. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah. Ooh, I, I really dig that. Oof, that's really good. Yeah, I love it. He's um, awesome. I uh all right, that's a good. I'll try to follow. 
So uh, this particular gentleman has the name of a superhero already. Um, it's all just about figuring out like which superhero quite fits. And I'm talking about Mr. Brian McKnight. Ooh. One, make the dream come true. <laughs> all right. Like the saddest song in the world. Like, oh, he's dead? It's Ghost. <laughs> he's Boston Brand. He's Dead Man. So Brian McKnight is Dead Man, who's singing from the grave about how he'll still smash some cakes if he had a corporeal form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> yeah he's dead in that um yeah uh brian mcknight is one of those like he had a tremendous voice came into the scene hot had had a few different like hits um and then just kind of disappeared because he's dead and uh so yeah brian mcknight as dead man is kind of my nice that's my number three all right so from my number four, I've already mentioned uh, New Jack Swing and Teddy Riley. I want to talk about probably my favorite R&B group from the 90s because they took New Jack Swing to another level. Now, most people always talk about Forever My Lady, which is a, a fine record. It's got Come and Talk to Me on it. But the records that I love of there is A Diary of a Mad Band and the show The After Party, The Hotel. And I'm talking about Two Sets of Brothers. I'm talking about Dalvin, Devante. Casey and Jojo. I'm talking about Jodeci. And the cool thing about Jodeci is Jodeci basically was two dudes who were super talented and then two other dudes who were just super attractive. And I kind of don't fuck with Devontae and Mr. Dalvin, which is why they're the fantastic four of, of comic book characters, because there's only really two characters I fuck with in the fantastic <laughs> four. And that is the brother and sister. I'm not that into Reed Richards right. and thing. I'm more into Casey and Jojo. If you, they just don't really do it for me. Devontae and Dobbin, all they did was just fuck. They were just good looking dudes. They weren't they weren't right. that talented. Nah. <laughs> we were on the same same page with that. Yeah, Casey and Jojo was like, we don't need these other dudes. We could just do our own thing. And they did, yeah. and it was better. <laughs> and they were, it was an honesty and a pureness in their like, take us for who we are. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. it's like it worked. America loved it. And so did the world. Exactly. I mean, they were hugely successful. So give me Johnny. Give me Susan Storm. Give me less of the thing. Give me none of Reed like Richards. Like <laughs> <laughs> Dave, who's your number four? <laughs> um, all right. So my number four, I'm going with a an artist, but also a character that is somewhat mysterious and I feel like he has kind of like the element of danger in his music, although he's very sensual. Um, and uh, I'm, of course, that's D'Angelo. Mm -hmm. D'Angelo, guys want to be him, girls want to be with him. Right. Um, and everyone else probably also wants to be around him as well. Uh, and he's also someone who uh, he went away for many years and then he kind of came back with an album recently, highly anticipated. And I think it's great. He's always been great. That's why as a character, he's Spawn, one of my favorite comic book characters. Again, somebody who has some darkness in his past, but is just an awesome character. And I also just love that aesthetic in general. Um, and apparently they're making, they're going to be making a new Spawn with potentially with Jamie Foxx in it. So, mm. yeah. So, uh, yeah. D'Angelo is the Spawn 
of comic D'Angelo book. would be a yeah, he is a spawn. Uh <laughs> instead of burnt skin, it's glistening and it's just <laughs> that clean. Just, it's yeah, like, instead <laughs> of being hideously ugly, he's unbelievably attractive. So it's a little flip, but yeah. yeah. Um okay. So I, I feel like D'Angelo, and I think you mentioned uh who was the other person you mentioned before? Oh, uh, Rafael Sadiq. I feel like the uh in that same mold is this artist who I'm about to mention, um, who's Babyface. And uh, Babyface to me, you know, is a fascinating, because he's out there, he's producing, writing songs, like he wrote a lot of hits. So he was out there, you know, he was the face, he was out there. And then like, he was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm a step in the back and let this whole team kind of do it. You know, I'm gonna be the heart of it. I'm gonna be the engine, like an Iron Man. So many hats. So many, but like, you know, he started an R&B Avengers. Like so many artists out here, like we got a whole, we got a whole MCU of R&B artists and now we got a multiverse due to Babyface. So Babyface comes in as my Tony Stark. Nice. All right, y'all, I'm gonna try to stick the landing with this one. Um, uh, just follow me all the way through it. So this next artist and my last artist, he came to us as a teenager in the 90s. And as a teenager, he was great. And then we watched him get become an adult. And as an adult, he was great. Oddly enough, when I was Googling, doing a little bit of research about this artist, he is actually one of the best-selling artists of all time. And forever, he'll, he'll always be, be like 25 to 28, but he's actually 41 years old. And... Uh, He's got. He's gonna have the song. There's one song that you're gonna hear at wedding from now until the end of the time. The guy I'm talking about is Usher. Uh, Usher Raymond. Anybody's heard Raymond versus Raymond? That record's so good. Oh, oh my God, it's a really good song. Uh, anyway, but we're talking about longevity with this artist. So when I'm thinking about a comic book character who comes to us as a teenager, who becomes is still relevant as an adult and gets rebooted, and is still interesting every time. I'm talking about Spider Man. Spider Man is the Usher of R&B artists. Usher would have made <laughs> dope Miles Morales. <laughs> yeah. Wow. George, coming out swinging. Off the top rope. Off the top rope. <laughs> yeah, off the top rope. Elbow. Um, all right, well, I'm going to try to follow that up with somebody who's actually already been mentioned, the character who has, but uh, the artist hasn't. But I'm assuming that we all love this person, and that's Erica Badu. Erica Badu, who is, you know, I mean, I, I would be hard-pressed to find an artist I personally liked more from that era or really any era from any genre. I mean, you talk about someone who is constantly reinventing themselves, who is like sensitive but fierce she can go like any different area and she's kind of like like i said all encompassing and she also has like she's from a different planet she has a she has an ethereal quality or an otherworldly quality and that's why she's jean gray um as Ooh. or and the phoenix you know constantly reinventing themselves someone who is has a soft touch but also can destroy everything <laughs> I'm gonna destroy a bunch of planets. <laughs> nice. Um, that is a great one. Thank you for the uh, accompaniment. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to see the. I want to see this actual film franchise. Yeah, yeah we got some. Uh, 
Okay, so um, when you think of like the weather and you realize like how powerful it is, I'm like, wow, these are forces of nature out of our control. And sometimes the forces of nature break the rules. You can't really confine, you can't contain it. You can't say this belongs in the R&B box. Sometimes it breaks out of the R&B box and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm more international music. I'm just like easy listening. I'm actually jazz. But you just got to step back and be like, it's all of it, baby. We're dealing with a force of nature. We're dealing with a goddess. And the goddess that I have to mention is Sade. The smooth operator. Mm-hmm. As Storm. Uh, she doesn't wear shoes on stage. She just won't. It's a thing. I'm dead ass. <laughs> I've never heard that she before, won't. but it makes it kind of makes sense. <laughs> kind of makes sense. It makes sense. How else is she going to channel the power from the earth to bless us with for decades? And like she breaks her, she's she was hitting us with hit after hit in the 80s and then was still going in the 90s and try to guess her age. She's ageless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She is an actual immortal, a mutant, but the closest thing I could come up to was Storm for Side Day. Awesome. Perfect. Fellas, we did it. How do we feel? <laughs> I feel great. I think that any of the movies that we could make from this are better than 90% of the movies in the MCU. Yeah, I uh, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, like, that's the kind of reason, like, I love playing these games is, like, no, I love, you know, that, you know, I grew up on comic books. I worked at a comic book store. <clears throat> I was that kid. But, you know, now it's, I, I also love the smaller movies growing up, you know, like going to the video store uh, and like going to Blockbuster and being like, this is a straight to video release. I have no idea how this is going to go. <laughs> like, um, and like, I, I missed the adventure of that. Um, you know, big ups to Disney. I don't think they're, they need my help. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> they don't. But, uh, but yeah, this was so much fun. Oh, well, thank you for being on our show, Dave. Before we let our wonderful guest go, do you have anything you want to ask? Uh, well, I guess the very last thing I would ask you, I, I don't know if this requires like a super long answer, but I've looked, I've been uh, really enjoying your comic strip on oh. on your Instagram page. I really wanted you to kind of like talk uh, a little bit about that and, and explain uh, that for, for me, but also for, for our listeners, of course. David, we got to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, that's actually kind of the thing that I'm really, it was my, um, you know, we're in the midst of this pandemic and it started off as a, you know, we can't, do the things we were doing can't be on stage which was something i was doing a lot of um uh can't really hang out personally with friends and so the the comic the uh, apple city was kind of just my sanity project of like what's something i can focus on that's what this is for us <laughs> exactly no you get it you yeah. totally get it it's it's important and um mining our own creativity and our imaginations and this year, outside of the pandemic, like, uh, I think, like, not to be too heavy in this last moment, but, like, uh, 
there were a lot of things. And I, I think the with the George Floyd situation, it kind of on a huge mountain of straw, the last straw for me it was just like, okay. Um, and the response was beautiful, but it led me to imagine, I was like, but what would black people in this country, what if we just had our own island and we did not have to worry about that? Our own city, the Harlem Renaissance was its own city. Who would we be? Um, and like, how, how vast and open could we uh could my imagination take that and so that was kind of the 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 spark of it i was just like yeah what if we just had our own city and it was it's set in like the late 30s or like 40s and um yeah weird things were happening i was just like you know you start to create and you know i haven't gotten to it in the comic but like you know if harriet tubman founded a city would that city have a police force? No, mine it wouldn't, right? So, uh, so my, you know, I found myself like, oh, well, how do I do that? <laughs> and every week was kind of me trying to catch up to my imagination, um, while you know, following a very silly, pulpy Dick Tracy-like detective in a kind of retro-futuristic city, with you know, with these characters who all from the diaspora and all shades and all shades of gray, shades of black and in between and having just fun. And I was just like, Oh, I just joy. That's what, that's what I was looking for. Just joy. And so thank you for letting me share that joy. Apple city. You can find it on my Instagram. It's a free comic Saturday morning, every Saturday morning. Thank you for, for sharing that. I, I think it's super cool. I, I enjoyed listening to you explain that. Um, yeah, it's it's obvious that you put a lot into it. It's it. Oh, thank you so much. That really means a lot. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm really proud of it. Thank you so much. Aside from the comic, do you have anything else you want to plug before we let you go? Uh, one thing is like, can you send Shinoa my love? Uh, that's my old roommate and uh, producer of a comedy show that I used to run. And uh, I also noticed that you you know you were in a short with Quincy, and I know Quincy too. Quincy's good people. Yeah, uh, George. <laughs> when this pandemic is over <laughs> yeah man <laughs> David, we are chilling and mary Beth. absolutely absolutely because <laughs> mary Beth didn't know that brian mcknight was dead and i had to break that to her <laughs> in the video <laughs> yeah brian mcknight mm. um yeah but yeah uh, i will definitely shanoa is great people so is quincy um shanoa was uh so awesome um yeah what else do i have to plug um, I am a teacher and, um, administrator with Freestyle of Supreme. And, uh, we are, we teach, we were teaching in person. We had our Broadway run. All that stuff will be coming back. We're still teaching classes. Um, an exciting thing, like, uh, I am producing and hosting a podcast through them, uh, called Hard Truths, where we're going to talk about the world of hip hop and try and our goal is to try to make it as expansive as possible so interviewing artists who are indigenous interviewing artists who are uh queer femme non-binary in the rap space and like, giving them a platform and like what do y'all have to say about hip-hop and then freestyling with them so um that'll be coming out very soon uh and it's an incredible organization i'm very proud to be a part of 
Thank you so much, man. Thank you. This was a blast. Yeah, I have a great show. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, no, I had to, this just ended up being just exceeded my expectations, and this has been a lot of fun. I hate to we, we have to let you go. Uh, uh, hey, anytime you call, I'll be back. <laughs> All right, now we will. All right, y'all be good. Thank you, Tarek. Take, Take care. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Welcome back. That was great. Thank you again to Tarek Davis. I think I speak for George as well in saying that we just had a lot of fun. Hope you guys did too. Please find Tarek on all the social medias on Instagram and Twitter at Tarek R. Davis. His website, TarekDavis.com. Check out the Amber Ruffin show on Peacock every week. Find it on the app. Definitely listen to his podcast, Brothers from Another Planet, that he co-hosts with his buddies. And uh, yeah, again, we want to we want to thank him absolutely very much. That was wildly entertaining. All right, now we are going to round out the show with Last Call, where we talk about what we're looking forward to. George, what are you uh, interested in on the horizon here for this next week? Okay, so I'm going to attempt that the nerds have won. And I'm going to give the Snyder Cut a go. I figure I'm going to break it out into parts and watch it into like my own mini series of 30 minutes, which means I can be done probably June of 2023. <laughs> Considering I think it's nine hours long. I'm just kidding. It's 17 hours long. No, it's four hours long. But I'm going to try to give it a go because I tried to watch it last Friday and put it on in the morning before the uh, the basketball games. It was like, I figure I can watch it from eight to 12. And I put it on at eight. And I fell asleep, back asleep at 8.30. So I'm going to give, it's like, shout out to my friend, my nerd friends who are like, you should watch it. And I'm going to try to give it a go this weekend, but I'm going to break it up in, in half hour, half hour segments. So the Snyder Cut, by the time we record this next week, I will have seen 25 minutes of it. So I'm going to try to give the Snyder Cut a go this weekend. Uh, Dave, what about you, bud? Uh, well, I just like that Mary Bess has in the chat, like Snyder cut of what, but like the nerds will know. Yeah. And, and like, the thing is, is here's the fact that it, the fact that we're just referring to it as the Snyder cut means that I will never watch it. <laughs> I will never watch something called the Snyder cut. So yeah, well, I'm not going to watch that. It's, it's uh, what is, it's the justice league, right? Just for clarification. It's the justice league movie. Apparently like, uh, the movie was already long. To begin with, I actually never, I tried to watch the Justice League because uh, it's on HBO Max and I have HBO Max and I feel like since I'm paying for something, I should it's like just mainline all the content because I'm paying for it. Like, uh, like I haven't seen every show on Netflix because I'm not paying for it because <laughs> I'm using a friend's Netflix account, but I have every seen every show on Hulu because I'm paying for it. So like, uh, yeah, it's like the moment you attach a dollar amount to something, that means I have to like, I have to do all of it. So uh, <laughs> I tried to watch the Justice League a few months ago. Um, uh, it's, there's a lot going on, but apparently this is like the definitive, this is this apocalypse now re redux version of, uh, of, of the, of the justice league. So I feel like I have to watch it because I'm paying for it. I respect it. I am paying for all of the streaming services and have seen and have watched very small amount of stuff. So, so, uh, we have balance uh, that way. Yeah. Well, you, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to, to your report on that. Uh, I'm not going to watch it either way, but, but I hope that you enjoy it. <laughs> Um, I'll four. It's four hours. There's no like what. My guess is I'm probably not going to enjoy it. Yeah, but that's also my guess. <laughs> I have to watch it. <laughs> I respect it. Yeah. 
like I said, you can watch it for me. Um, <laughs> the only couple of quick things I'm looking forward to is uh, one which actually will have already happened by the time you're listening to this podcast, but I'm still looking forward to it, which is uh, the NBA trade deadline, which is happening Thursday, uh, happened yesterday by the time this podcast is released. But uh, it's always fun. I always love to to nerd out and don't know if the bulls are going to make any moves. Probably not. Maybe a small one here or there, but there could be some big names changing, uh, changing teams. Victor Oladipo was rumored. There's going to be some people on the buyout market. It's always fun to watch. The only other thing I wanted to get into, I started listening to it a little bit, but I know George, you probably, I know you're into it. I, I think you've listened to, to it by now, um, which is that, that Benny, the butcher, Harry fraud collabo, the plugs I met too. Um, it's pretty dope. It's pretty good so far. I've only listened to like the first couple tracks. It's pretty good. See, this is what happens when you, when you live alone and you're single and you have no priorities. I've already listened to it twice, but, uh, yeah, I figured <laughs> I listened to it Friday when, uh, when Tony met Sosa, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's, it's also the shout out to those guys from Griselda who just throw away, who just put out content all the time. It's really short. It's like 29 minutes long. Awesome which is like the wheelhouse for records for me. I'm like 13 songs, 29 minutes, count me in. Uh, it's good. Getting back to one quick thing about the trade deadline is um, some of the names that I've heard that are going to be on the move. And we've already mentioned uh, the Lakers is Kyle Lowry could possibly be a Laker by the end of the day. That'd be huge. For uh, them. Aaron Gordon is on the trade block. Uh, all 14 and a half points of his um, Norman Powell <laughs> is on, is on that. Cause I think Toronto is just going to dump everybody because the team is really bad. Um, Norman Powell's going to be uh going to be somewhere all 19 and a half points of his and um yeah those are the only and Lonzo Ball is kind of like the other name that's been kind of like tossed around as far as like uh you know like likely to move I thought he was already traded No okay. he's still with uh, the Pelicans okay. um there's the Bulls have been rumored on him for like the last 2 years uh to be interested so who knows yeah the Celtics are looking at Gordon and uh in addition to the Lakers the 76ers are looking at Kyle Lowry which that would be I mean anywhere I think Kyle Lowry is going to be like he might make them he might be the biggest difference maker yeah, yeah. Kyle Lowry and his big ass and his flopping can't wait yeah I, I love me some Kyle Lowry but he plays uh, great he plays great D and uh yeah. he like the on the lit on that Lakers team he's got he that would... huge ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that 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 too um <laughs> But uh, anyway, on that note, uh, let's check in with producer Mary Bess for the buzz. Mary Bess. Thanks, guys. Um, So yesterday, I attended my first bystander intervention training session, and I want to tell you about it. So these are free sessions hosted by the organization Hollaback in partnership with Asian Americans Advancing Justice. And the session I took lasted about an hour and was incredibly useful in approaching situations where you might witness someone experiencing anti-Asian harassment or xenophobic harassment of any kind, frankly. And if you're like me and you've lived in New York for a while, you may have seen something like this play out on the subway or on the street and you just don't know what to do. And you may be fearful that the aggressor will turn on you or you might think that you'll make the situation worse if you get involved. And this training is specifically geared to provide you with a tool belt so that you can find a way to help, no matter what the situation. And I highly recommend that people take one of these sessions. And you can do so by going to 
hollaback.org, and that's the letter I, H-O-L-L-A-B-A-C-K.org, forward slash bystander intervention. And we'll also be dropping the link in today's episode descriptions. You can find it there. And if you're not already, please consider donating to support the efforts of groups like Hollaback and Asian Americans Advancing Justice. Uh, secondly, I, I wanna briefly touch on the two pieces of gun control legislation that have been passed by the House and are moving to the Senate. Uh, we've talked about one of these before and it's um, Bill HR 8, which would expand background checks on individuals seeking to purchase or transfer firearms and the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2021, which would close the Charleston loophole, a gap in federal law that lets gun sales proceed without a completed background check if three business days have passed. Doesn't make any sense, which is why it's a loophole and we wanna close it up. And if you feel strongly that these bills should be adopted, please call your senators. You can reach the Capitol switchboard at 202-224-3121 and simply ask to be connected to a senator from your state. Our hearts go out to the families of those in Georgia and Colorado who have been impacted by the senseless loss of life this week. Mass shootings are a common occurrence in our country and they don't have to be. Thank you very much, Mary Bess, for all of that very uh, helpful information for people to get involved. Those are a couple of very important things. Um, yeah, I just want to say, like, regardless of what you anyone may feel, like the shooter in Georgia was able to get a gun in the same day that he killed, used it to kill people. And yet you cannot register to vote and vote on the same day in Georgia. So regardless of what you feel, that is an unequal system and it needs to change. And also the uh, the prevention stuff that you mentioned as a bartender, I, I will say that I think all of that stuff is extremely helpful and like necessary for bartenders, like conflict resolution and shit like that. And good for everybody. So again, thank you very much, Mary Bess, and for uh, keeping us up to date on some of that stuff. You're welcome, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Everybody be safe out there. All right. So now we are going to wrap up this great episode of Know Your Roles. George, why don't you tell the people what we got going on next week? Give the people something to be excited about. Uh, thank you, Dave. Next week, we it was just going to be the two of us and producer Mary Bess. And we're going to be doing nicknames and soft drinks next week. Uh, we've had our eye on this this topic and uh, comparison for quite some time now. And now I get to talk about my love of Welch's grape soda. So looking forward to that. <laughs> I am also looking forward to that. <laughs> and uh, on that note, we just want to go ahead and thank everybody. Thank all of you for listening. Thank you to George, of course. Thank you to producer Mary Bess. Thank you to our wonderful team who did our theme, Alan Sackkid, Nate88, and Kazo Oslo. Please subscribe, rate, and review to Know Your Roles wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, please be safe and be healthy. And uh, I'm going to do my usual send-off, which is uh, wear your mask uh, over your fucking nose. That includes me, your good friend, George Payton Gorner III. Um, I desperately want you to get to know my new neighbors because they've got access to the backyard. Unfortunately, the only times I ever get to see them is when I'm taking the trash out and I'm not wearing my mask. So come on, George, get your head out of your ass and uh, make sure you wear your mask over your fucking nose, guy. 
Usually I talk about other people. I'm gonna talk about myself. Yes, I want to get to know my new neighbors. I always see them when I'm taking the trash out. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Sorry. Hey, all right. God damn it. All right. I'm going upstairs. <laughs> anyway, be safe out there. Guys.